everybody. Welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Welcome, welcome. This is Sarah. This is Katie. And we're back and we're on a schedule and it feels so good. It feels great. Yes. (laughs) And we are so excited. At least I think I'm overly excited about this episode. (laughs) Um, I think Sarah is too, so. I'm very excited about this episode. So we asked you guys for topics. I think it was last week we posted what what are some interesting topics you guys want us to cover. And a few of you guys mentioned the documentary Abducted in Plain Sight. Ooh. Boom. <laughs> yeah. So we decided that's what we're going <laughs> to chat about today. Uh, mainly, well... I guess the chat about the whole thing, but also how Mormonism is super intertwined in the whole thing. And it's not really brought up that much in the documentary, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll get into it. It's, it's so crazy. And also, sorry, I'm going to go ahead and like apologize in advance. I have this weird cough voice thingy. So if you guys hear me clearing my throat the entire time, I apologize because it's one of the most annoying things if I have to listen to a podcast and they're doing that. So sorry, but it's going to happen. Got to do what you got to do. (laughs) (laughs) No, but this this documentary, I'm pretty sure it was you, Katie, right, who told me to watch it. Yeah, so I I think I saw, I'm in an ex-Mormon Facebook group and someone in there posted about it and said, you guys all need to watch this. This is crazy. And so I believe it was a couple months ago. Uh, maybe it was even before the holidays. I'm not quite sure. But I watched it. And I just remember I wasn't even 15 minutes into it. And I immediately messaged you, Sarah. I was like, <laughs> okay, you get on the Netflix and you watch this right now. <laughs> because this is blowing my mind. <laughs> oh, my God. And the thing is, and I just kind of want to like draw attention to this and maybe it has nothing to do with it but the fact that you heard about it in an ex-mormon group because this documentary has been on netflix for a while now like i saw it for a while before i I, like you haven't told me about it but i was like ah this looks kind of dumb not gonna like watch it but now it's like blowing up like everyone's talking about it yeah and i bet you it started from a lot of ex-mormons talking about it as well because I was just listening to my favorite murder the last, so I don't know if you listeners know this podcast, but Katie and I have referenced it a few times. I love it. It's kind of what got me into podcasts in general. And uh, I was listening to the latest episode and they talk about it. Oh, yeah. The episode, but because it's like a murder podcast, they don't go into it because obviously this, this girl and adopted in plain sight was not murdered. So like, it's not relevant to their podcast but they were just talking about how fucked up the situation was and the parents and like everything yeah um yeah it's crazy like it's gotten so popular I was even looking into it and apparently it was released back in 2017 under a different name it was um I think it was something called like I can't remember. Anyway, not important. But really? then, then Netflix got a hold of it, and they just renamed it and put it on Netflix, and then just in the past, like, month, it's gotten super popular. So, yeah, because I yeah. remember, like I said, like, going past, like, scrolling past it, but being like, meh, whatever. Right. Um, and then when you said something about it, I, like, even looked it up, because, I like, when you told me about it, I was like, that sounds familiar, but maybe, like, German Netflix doesn't have it. 
And then I typed it in and was like, oh, okay, cool, it's there. And then I feel like once I watched it, like maybe a month later, it's like viral. Everyone is talking about it (laughs) on social media. And I find it funny, like Katie and I were talking about this last night, but the fact that like all of my non-Mormon friends, so I mean, (laughs) these are still people who are Christian, but they're just not Mormon. They're posting about it. Like tons of my friends have posted something about, you know, oh my God, these parents have to be mental, like blah, blah, blah. But I I find it interesting that not one of my Mormon friends has said anything about this documentary. And a lot of them are like fans of my favorite murder and would be interested in this type of like documentary and no one has said anything about it. I know. I've been so... um just close or curious to messaging like texting my family or friends that are Mormon and recommending this and asking them if they've watched it because you know I just do that with things that I like and I find interesting but I've been like hesitant just because of that reason like that because of the Mormon underlying sort of tone within it (laughs) and yeah, yeah like you said I haven't seen any Mormons sharing it on social media, even though they're probably quite aware of it. They're just not sharing it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so I don't know what you think, Katie, but I was kind of thinking we do copy Karen and Georgia into like, maybe you kind of tell what happened, like a synopsis of like what actually happens in abducted in plain sight. Cause I'm sure like listeners obviously go watch it if you haven't. Yes. And it's not like major spoilers because if you still watch the documentary, it's a lot of details that you'll pick up that we're not going to go into. Yeah. But, but there I still mean... are, there still are like definitely going to be spoilers. So if you don't want me to spoil it for you, hit that pause button right now. <laughs> hit it. <laughs> Pause it, it and then go watch it and come back. But otherwise, yeah, you can just get the little broken down version. I I like that idea, Sarah, but hopefully I do it justice because this story is insane. And there's so many different little parts and twists and turns that uh, <laughs> it might be a little hard to describe, but we can try. We can attempt. <laughs> the thing is, is like, honest to God, like, I'm not exaggerating. When I watched this documentary, I had to pause it and rewind probably 10 plus times because I was like I know I did not understand that correctly like I could no 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 I must not have heard the parents correctly or I must not have heard the story correctly let me just like because and even at some point I thought that maybe like my ex-Mormon biases were like playing into it and I was like hearing what I wanted to hear (laughs) and I would like rewind it and be like no no that's that's what I heard. Like, okay, that's what's happening. Right? No, I did uh, that too. And I was even watching it with my boyfriend and I would, I had to pause it. I couldn't stop myself. I would have to pause and like, just yell and be like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) And just like, have to discuss it with him because it was just so crazy. (laughs) It's so crazy. And and the article, so we posted an article on Instagram last night. It's this one that Katie found, and she sent it to me, and I was taking a bath last night reading it, being like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> so passionate and so excited to record this episode. So this article, again, if if you guys haven't looked or you didn't notice it in our story, we can repost it again with the link, because we did have a few listeners who sent us a message saying, could you provide the link, which I was dumb and did not do, because it's me on social media and not Katie. <laughs> So let's be honest, I'm very basic. Um, But you should definitely read it because they make a lot of really valid points against, like, well, A, the actual storyline, but B, like, 
this religion of Mormonism and like how absolutely ridiculous it is and like basically the sexism present and like this guilt and shame and cult and like all these elements that were like yes yes this is what we've been talking about for so long <laughs> yes like, it's amazing and then they tie in with elizabeth smart who like we can talk about a bit later but i totally forgot about that case right and that's yeah that connection they made was very interesting yeah, exactly. I was like, whoa. And then mm-hmm. I've been reading up on her today and was just like, shit. Like, I. Anyways, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm just so excited. <laughs> it's hard to not just get ahead of. I know. That's why I'm like, okay, I got to control myself. I got to control my excitement. And I'm going to try to tell this chronologically. <laughs> but make sure, Sarah, that you interject and and clarify we can clarify things <laughs> oh i will but i'm sure you'll do fabulously so oh my God. okay so this documentary this story takes place in the early 70s in pocatello idaho which funny enough i actually have family members who live in pocatello idaho that are mormon. really yeah i think it's like a pretty mormon community I think it's kind of similar to, like, Rexburg, where BYU-Idaho is, you know? Ah, okay. Yes, and this is in the 70s, so, yeah, okay. (laughs) So, (laughs) the main character of the story is this little girl named Jan Broberg. Um, Mm -hmm. In the story, in this documentary, I think it starts out, and she's, like, 10 or 11 years old, and her... She has a father and mother, obviously. Her father's name is Bob. Her mother's name is Marianne. And then she has two sisters. And they're Mormon. So. Which they only mention that briefly at the beginning of the documentary. Yeah, they like really don't. I mean, they touch on it just a couple of times, but like super lightly. uh, Which, yeah, I wish they would have done more of. But anyway. So. And a family moves into their ward. Uh, their last name is the Birchtolds. And it's a family of a husband and wife and five children. And the the uh, bad guy, the criminal in this story. <laughs> B, right? That's his name? Yes, Robert B- Birchtold, but they call him B, which mm-hmm. is weird. Well, I can kind of get into why, but... So this family, the Birchtolds, they befriend the Brobergs, and they become just, like, really good family friends and do lots of things together, and they both are Mormon, so they do the Mormon stuff together, and this Robert Birchtold man, he becomes really, really close with the family, and it's almost like he's their second dad, and he's always at their house and doing things with them and, like, playing games with them. And the kids start calling him Brother B, which I thought was interesting Uh. because it's, like, a Mormon thing, right? You call them brother or sister and then, like, their last name. But they started calling him Brother B for his last name, and then it just got shortened to B. And he was basically, like, a part of their family, which, I mean, that's that's fine, and I feel like that's probably normal-ish. But also, if you were those parents and, like, this man this 40 year old man was just constantly wanting to come over and hang out with your kids when he had five kids of his own wouldn't you find that kind of weird that's honest to god like that was the first thing i thought of when they were describing (laughs) this like taking out the whole religious aspect which is a big part of it but if you take out the mormon card i was just thinking like 
why would you not find that so weird that a man with five kids is at your house all the time instead of spending time with his own family? Yeah. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. And actually, like, just to kind of touch base on that, like, one of the things that this article that Katie sent, it says, like, it's describing their situation. It says, basically, church members are seen as family and yes. trusted as family even when disturbing evidence piles into a mountain of red flags. Yes. Uh, yep. Uh-huh. And being being from the Mormon church, we know that that's, that's true, that you're basically taught that pretty much anyone who's Mormon or in your ward, it's like they're your family member and you can trust them. And especially men. Especially men, because they have the priesthood. Yeah. Exactly. So you should trust them no matter what, especially if they have the priesthood and they're an active member of the church, then you could just like, you're, you're just taught to assume that they're not bad or like going to do anything bad to your family or to you or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. So this, oh, and there was a part in the documentary where the, the mom and dad, uh, Bob and Marianne, they were like, we came home from church one day to find on our front porch this amazing fruit basket. And we were blown away. It was from Robert Birchtold. And we were like, wow, what a guy. Like, they were, like, wooed by a fruit basket. <laughs> oh, my God. And somehow that, like, makes up for the fact that he kidnapped her, their daughter. Why? Hashtag spoiler alert. Yeah. He's just so lovely. It had pineapple in it. Uh, okay, so... Or the fact that, like... But sorry, just another thing, like, talking about how they just, like, trusted this guy to stay at their house. Like, listeners, I want you to just, like, tune in real quickly to this. Not only did they let him hang out with the children and they never questioned it, it was never an issue that this guy slept in their 11-year-old's, like, daughter's bed. Yes. Continuously. Yes. So let's like talk about that. Often. Let's talk yeah. about that. Okay. So this, so going back in time before the Birchtolds like moved in next door to the Brobergs. So come to find out that Robert Birchtold B, he had been like, had gotten in trouble. He'd been discovered to be being inappropriate with young girls. There, there was at least two other known cases of like inappropriate contact molestation type stuff and the it was reported to the leaders of the LDS church where in his ward and they like reprimanded him but they didn't tell of course they didn't tell the police they didn't do anything like with the law about it and so he just was able to like they told him that he needed to get counseling from one of their counselors which as we know they're not Ugh. like licensed. <laughs> They're not author like they don't have the authority to do that or yeah. the expertise. And so he told when he moved into the Broberg's neighborhood, moved in next door to them, he told them that he was in therapy and part of his therapy was that he needed to share a bed with an eleven year old girl. And they oh let him they let him continuously sleep in Jan's bed, Jan Broberg's bed. At night. Uh, like, and also, like, can I just, I mean, that's far disgusting. And also, just, like, these parents are fucking idiots. Like, I mean, they are the perfect example 
of a naive Mormon. Yeah, they I'm were sorry. just like, like okay, I, he said he needs it for therapy. He's our friend. Here, go sleep with my like, daughter. What? How stupid do you have to be? And how far into religion of this blind faith concept <laughs> shit do you have to be in to be like, well, I'm just not going to even look into it or think anything about yeah. it because it's a it's a grown man in the church and like what he says has to be true. Like right. you, I just can't even, it makes I, my blood boil. Like I, but also like, I think it's in the article maybe or somewhere else that I read where they talk about this point that, you know, if the LDS church would have actually, you know, done something about this instead of just trying to protect these, you know, sex offenders, yeah. which they do often, like in the Catholic church as well. Yeah. Then, you know, when this guy moved to this new area, then the church would be able to tell the members his past and maybe prevented all of this. You know what I mean? Or even when they knew that he had inappropriate conduct with a child, like maybe report it to the police as well so that he has like he has some consequence for what he's done. But no, they give him this weird non-therapy that they claim is therapy and then he uses it ah, to just keep getting more victims it's an it's outrageous another thing i thought like as the parents of jan when this friend of yours says he needs this therapy with a young girl in her bed first off he has five children like can he not sleep in one of their beds second off exactly second off he is married. Like, imagine being married to a man that says, for my therapy, I need to go over to our neighbor's house and sleep in their daughter's bed with her. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, but like, I I'm mean, just thinking of myself right now. I'm what? not married. But if my boyfriend were to be like, hey, hey, babe, like, I'm going to um, <laughs> I'm gonna go sleep in an 11-year-old's bed because, like, I've had some issues and, like, counseling told me that I'd be like okay you do that and also we're done yeah also the (laughs) fact that you even said that that is a bye Felicia bye Felipe from me I (laughs) will see you to the door bye-bye yeah (laughs) like I would I just and that's the other thing that makes me so angry about this documentary sorry I'm jumping into it but it's like the women that they have in it are so fucking dumb like they portray them as like these dumb stereotypical women who just do whatever a man says or like they're just like but we didn't know it's horrible which is exactly how they portray eve in these like mormon videos of like oh i'm so dumb i don't know what to do what do i do yeah we'll get into that later especially like jan's mother is infuriating to me and uh (laughs) we can talk about that when it comes up but oh my god okay um Okay, so he's sleeping in her bed, and this goes on for, like, six months, and uh, turns out, like, after the six months is when the kidnapping, well, we can just, uh, spoiler alert, the first kidnapping happens. (laughs) (laughs) So, he, um, so B, he comes over to their house, this is, like, a Thursday, like, after school, it's just a school night, and he asks if he can take Jan horseback riding. Which, like, okay, I'm just going to stop trying to say every single time, like, isn't that weird? Because all of this is weird. Like, a grown man is coming over to take just only one of your daughters horseback riding. Like, and they're just like, okay, that's fine. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Like, like, where are your children? they describe it, though? They always would say, like, oh, but B just had, like, a close relationship with 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 Jan. Jan. And we didn't think anything of it. It was just, like, they were closer because she was a... Yeah. Free spirit? Is that what they something said? Or something like, like she that. was... Yeah. And that, like, he, um... 
that he was just so charismatic and charming, which, like, yes, this man, as you will see, listeners, is obviously a sociopath when it comes down to it. And he's mm-hmm. he's obviously, like, the main criminal here, but, like, I just the justification and the blinders that are put on by these parents, I just, I don't. Oh, I know. Okay. Anyways, so yeah. <laughs> the the mom Marianne gives him permission to take Jan horseback riding. So they get in the car, and he, uh, B gives Jan a pill that he says is an allergy pill because she, I guess, ha- is allergic to horses or something like that. Um, turns out it's not an allergy pill; it's some sort of sleeping pill, and she gets knocked out, and uh, she wakes up later. In a motorhome, that's his motorhome, but she doesn't know this because she's never seen this motorhome before. And Mm -hmm. um, she wakes up, she's tied down, and she has this, like, little radio transmitter thing that's by her head that, you know, it's basically like a cassette player, I I would imagine. And Mm -hmm. it's it's playing um, messages to her that are, I don't know, supposedly from, supposedly being transmitted to her by aliens. (laughs) That was one of the scenes that I had to rewind a few times, and I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Like, he talked to her, and, like, I mean, to be fair, it's kind of genius on his part. Oh, my God, it's super. Brainwashing of the Mormon church, because it's easy. I mean, this girl was what, how old was she? I believe she was 11 or 12, yeah. 11 or 12, like, I mean, that's at the point in the Mormon church, if you've been raised in it, where you're old enough to know more, but you're still so naive to a lot of things and, like, kind of figuring stuff out that I could imagine as a 12, 11-year-old Mormon girl, like, believing some weird-ass alien shit. Oh, no, if totally. someone told me it, you There's know? such parallels here. So, yeah, the, the, these aliens, first of all, they're called Zeta and Zethra, which... <laughs> Can we just pause on that for a sec? Like, okay, doesn't this remind you of someone? Maybe in particular, J-Dog? How Joseph Smith made up all those names of, like, the people in the Book of Mormon and claimed (laughs) that they were real and that they were speaking to him. Like, Moroni the Angel. He just made that name up. (laughs) (laughs) Which, okay, sidebar. Like, this. I'm sorry, listeners. I just have to do it because it was one of my, like, I was giggling so hard. <laughs> so my boyfriend and I, I think we were reading uh, these, like, memes that were, like, about Mormon, like, oh, it was, like, Mormon myths or something like that. I don't remember. Maybe you had sent it to me, but it was just, like, all these, like, memes about, like, Mormon stuff, blah, blah, blah. And he's, like, reading them. And he's, like, oh, there's this one guy, Nephi, um, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And he's, like, going into it. And he kept saying Nephi. And I was, like... <laughs> fuck is he talking about so i was like let me read it and i see it and i was like oh my god nephi and i'm like laughing so hard he was like i'm sorry you're laughing at me you're the one who believes in this shit (laughs) (laughs) and all i could do was like touche yeah touche that is good that is good (laughs) but he will forever be known as nephi to me now (laughs) oh me too yeah because like all those names you know they're just made up and Joseph Smith basically claimed that all these angels and made up, and also how he claims that um, God lives on a different planet, right? And these aliens yeah. were from a different planet, okay? And these aliens 
told Jan that she was like half alien, that her real father was an alien, but uh, had gotten her mother pregnant. So she was like half alien. So what does that fucking sound like? Um, (laughs) Hey, we have another Jesus story on our hands. (laughs) Exactly, but I just have to read, like, this is something that made me giggle in the article. So on the same side, it goes, The religion has a view of the universe that involves other populated planets in the universe and a rich celestial world that makes B story, like, alien story, again, just a half step away from what she may have heard on Sundays. Yes, it's so true, because there's, like, all these other planets in Mormonism, and they believe the birth, the virgin birth story of Mary and all of that stuff. And it's just like, oh my God, this is, you. Ba- he basically just swapped out the names and told <laughs> yeah. Jan that she was the new Mary, right? <laughs> yep. And um, so, yeah, I mean, these were obviously listeners. I mean, you know this by now, but this was obviously him disguising his voice on this cassette player. But of course, the little 12-year-old <laughs> girl doesn't know this and she doesn't see him anywhere. So she thinks it's really just aliens talking to her. And they tell her that she um, she is commanded to do a mission, which, <laughs> there's another Mormon word. Um, uh-huh. But the mission is she needs to have a child by the age of 16 to save her original alien planet. And she needs to have, like, there's a special male companion that she's supposed to procreate with. Um, for, and she needs to complete this mission or, like... What was the consequence was if she didn't do it, then they would take her younger sister. And like if she didn't do it, then um, her spirit would be destroyed. So she wouldn't even be able to experience an afterlife. Stuff like that, that was really like fear based, like super scaring her into thinking that this was real and she had to do it. And, And she also, these aliens, I'm doing air quotes, they also like, always told her that they were watching her always yes. and like listening always and like basically another version of god yeah another version of the holy ghost right <laughs> exactly that they were always there they were always listening so because it was i think there was a part in the documentary too when she was like writing or like trying to talk to her parents but like she like remembered that they were always listening so she was like oh no like, yeah i have to fill the mission type yes thing. there's like all these threats that if she talked about it um she, if she talked about it, sh- that her dad would be murdered and, like, that her one sister would be taken and then her other sister would go blind and stuff like that. Like, a lot of threats about what would happen if she talked about it, which that also struck me as, like, the secrecy thing that you you can't talk about what happens in the temple or mm-hmm. bad things happen, right? <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so... <clears throat> okay, so... After this whole message has been given to her by these aliens, um, <laughs> um, she, I guess she, like, regains a little bit more consciousness, like, she wakes up a little bit more from being drugged, and she sees that B is, like, laying on the couch or something, she is in the motorhome with her, she finally discovers that he's in there, and he's, like, bloody, and she thinks he's dead, turns out he's bloody because when he had had her in his car he like parked on the side of the road and she was asleep and he punched out the window of his car to make it look like someone had I don't know there'd been foul play like someone had done something to him 
But mm-hmm. and um, then they just got in the motorhome and drove away. So, anyways, he's just laying there, and like she wakes up, and she wakes him up, and she tells him what happened, uh, like because you know she thinks that he doesn't know, and then says <laughs> that there's this mission, and that she wants him to be her male companion to do this mission. And then it's just, it's so awful to watch this part of the documentary, like how she describes that he rapes her. Like, I mean, but. Oh, but. Yeah. What? But first, though, is they have this ceremony where he like marries her because that's the other connection that they make in the article is that it's similar to Elizabeth Smart. Is that both of these like Mormon sexual predators? They still make a point to be like, but we married them first yeah. before we had sex, so it's okay. Uh, doesn't matter that she's twelve and you're like forty or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Um, or like the smart. I think she was how old? Like I don't. I was supposed to Google that, but anyways. Yeah, she was um, young as well. Like I want to say like fourteen or something. I don't know. That's just a guess. I but, think she was yeah fourteen. Yeah. But still, yeah. Point being, they're like, but if we marry them, it's allowed and. It's yeah. Yeah. Totally fine. Yeah. Um, and when she describes what happens after, it's so, like, ugh. She just, like, explains how she thought that he was trying to take care of her, but she still was just... I mean, she's 12. She doesn't even know what's happening. And apparently, like... uh, this is icky. It's, like, cringy to say, but apparently when he would do it, he would only put his penis, like, an inch inside of her, like, just barely... So it never, like, broke her hymen. So later on, when they discover her and she gets back, the mom, the parents, I guess, ha- take her to the doctor. And the doctor says that she wasn't raped or nothing sexual happened to her because her hymen was not broken. Ugh, I remember that part of the documentary. Ugh. I had a major eye roll. Yeah. So, um, but I guess, so after, like, that, and after, I guess, you know, it continues to happen, there, so... Go back. Let's go back to the Broberg's house, okay? So, <laughs> so imagine your daughter goes horseback riding on Thursday, and she's supposed to be home like by dinner time, and she's not home. And you're like, oh, I, wouldn't any normal parent be concerned at that point? Exactly. <laughs> but no, they they don't do anything. And um, <clears throat> the um, Birchtold's wife comes over. Her name is Gail. Fucking Gail. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I facepalm when I talk about Gail. But so Gail comes over, and they're like, we don't know where, you know, Rob, we don't know where B and Jan are. Um, and the Brobergs are like, maybe we should call the police. And Gail is like, oh, no, I'm sure they're fine. I'm sure yeah. they'll come back. Um, but also, can I just comment on the <laughs> fact that, like, there's this stupid-ass Mormon trust thing, and... Because I was, again, listening to this episode of My Favorite Murder last night, and they made a good point. They're like, you know what? Fuck politeness, but also fuck having to feel guilty about not trusting someone either you just met or have known for six months it yeah. doesn't, or in a religion. It doesn't yeah. fucking matter. Ugh. You don't owe anyone an excuse or an apology or you shouldn't feel guilty if you don't trust someone. Preach and especially it, Preach if it comes it. to yes. your child. Yes, yes. Like, I'm sorry, but if the wife of some 
my neighbor, the guy who took my child out, she was like, oh, no, they'll be back. Don't worry. I'd be like, I'm sorry, but fuck you. Like, this is my yeah, child. Yeah, I'm and we don't know where she is. And she's 12, and they haven't come back. Like, I mean, even if you're you're not worried about him, like, it, you don't think he's a predator or whatever, wouldn't you be concerned that possibly they got into a car accident? Exactly. Or, like, that maybe they were both, like, abducted or something happened? Like, why wouldn't you do something about it? I just don't. I don't get it. And the fact that they didn't even do anything. It it took them, I think it was like five days. It was like. Yeah, it was some crazy amount of days. Stupid. Like, till they finally, um, you know, got the police involved and the FBI guy, which, what was his name? His name was Pete Walsh. He's my favorite character in the (laughs) whole freaking documentary because he's just. Me too. He's just like, what's wrong with these people? Like, why didn't they tell us sooner? (laughs) Um. So, yeah, he gets the call, and, and he's with the FBI. So, they, I think, doesn't it take them quite a while to, like, even locate the motorhome? Because I think they went and they asked Gail, like, do you have any other vehicles or whatever? And she finally tells them, like, oh, yeah, we have a motorhome that was in a storage unit. So, they go to oh this, yeah, they go to the storage unit. The motorhome's gone. Um, and they finally found like, the car on the side of the road that he had smashed the window out of, but they knew immediately that it had been smashed from the inside, and so that, you know, as soon as they saw that, they were like, oh, he's he's definitely kidnapped her. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they were gone, yeah, I think it was, like, week, like weeks. I mean, what was it, up to, like, six weeks or something, That if I remember correctly? like Yeah, it was some, like, ridiculous amount of time. That no one knew, like, no one knew anything. They didn't, they didn't see either of them. Um, and one part in the documentary that struck me was when the mom, Marianne, she said that while they were going through this and they didn't know where Jen was, when she would go to church, like, all of the people would support her and they would just be so kind and say, we know she'll return. And like, that just Ugh. struck me as like, oh my God, just do something about it. And don't, don't give him this false hope, you know, and just say like, oh, we know everything will be fine. He'll, he'll come back. It's just a misunderstanding. Like, no, this man no. kidnapped your child. Like, <laughs> Also, just the previous episode, we talked about this. Shit doesn't happen for a reason. Ah, so. no, I know. Or if it does, it's like a very human, natural reason. <laughs> exactly. It's not like, well, God wanted her to go through this experience of being abducted and raped at a young age because he knew it would help her in the future to maybe help talk to other victims. Yeah. No, bitch. That's not actually how it happens. <laughs> like, uh. or like we're praying for you it's like okay I get that that's your sense of comfort but rather than praying like why don't you actively help me yeah find exactly. my daughter like do something that would actually help the situation and not these empty prayers you exactly know? oh man yeah another thing I just remembered that I thought was interesting that we could say so before any of this happened like you know wait like back before the abduction and stuff Jan said that they would regularly have sleepovers at each other's homes, like, with all the children and stuff. And she said that she would regularly wake up and be, would be laying next to her. And a lot of the times her panties would be either down or off. And he would say, 
oh, you were just moving a lot in the night. Like, you must have just kicked them off. And she would always feel very strange about it. And, like, this man was just molesting her probably on a constant basis until he kidnapped her. Well, yeah, because I remember that one story in particular where she talks about how they all slept on the trampoline at night mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or something, and that was the part where, like, she woke up in the middle of the night and, like, her panties were down and blah, blah, and he was just like, oh, yeah, you were, like, rolling around a lot, and I guess your panties just came down. And oh, like, girl, damn it. What? Oh. And I get that you're a child, but, like, this is also this whole issue with... And I'm not even talking about just specifically Mormons, but, like, religious, especially Christian upbringings that don't talk about sex in the house and talk about, like, what is okay and what's right. not okay. Right, Like, I mean, I was fortunate enough to have, like, parents. I mean, they were Southern and, like, my dad, Baptist, my mom, Mormon, but at least they, like, ingrained in me, like, if, you know, someone touches you there or, like... You know, if you don't feel like it's okay, that's a no-no. Like, I mean, they would go into it and kind of talk to me a bit about sex. Not a lot. Like, not as much as it needs to be. Right. But still, this is, like, an example of, like, a household, like, naive fucking Mormons who probably never want to talk about anything about sex or sex education or body parts. And so this poor girl is, like, feeling, okay, that's not right, but... I mean, he's this priesthood holder who's telling me I just rolled around and that's how my panties got out before. Oh, God, I just Well, can't. shit, I should be using that excuse as a grown-ass <laughs> woman all the time then. Well, I don't know. I just rolled around a lot. My panties, they just slipped right off. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so, um, all right. So, weeks go by. They don't know where Jan or B are. They don't know anything. Um, and then... B's brother, his name is Joe, which he's an interesting character in the documentary. Yeah, he's really kind of mm. cold, I he's would say, a, like the whole thing. Yeah, I have thoughts, but I don't know. Okay, so Joe gets a call from B, and B is in Mexico with Jan. They're like staying at some hotel. And he tells his brother, he says, you know, I've married Jan and you need to go to the Brobergs and tell them that I'm not coming back. We're not coming back to the United States unless they give me permission to marry her in the United States. Because, you know, if he comes back, like, he's going to get arrested for a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. And the parents, so so Joe calls the Brobergs and, and relays the message. And they say, no, we're not giving him permission like luckily that's like the one good thing they do in this whole documentary they don't give him permission (laughs) um and so joe calls b back and says you know they're not giving you permission but also luckily joe lets the fbi tap the phone so they're able the fbi is able to find out where where they are in mexico and they contact like the mexican authorities and then the authorities go and get uh, B and Jan, and they're arrested <clears throat> and taken to, like, a Mexican prison to be held. Um, and that's where, in that prison, I guess, B, he takes off his gold ring and he gives it to one of the guards as bribery to let, uh, for the guard to, like, go get Jan so they can talk privately. And that's when B really reinforces to her, like, okay, they're going to come get us, like, your parents are coming to get us, and you can't tell them anything about the mission or about the aliens or about any of that or 
yeah, basically your dad will be murdered and all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, so really reinforced that. Um, (laughs) So they go pick her up and I guess when they, they, when the parents pick her up in Mexico, she's like, well, wasn't she saying like, oh, I wanted to go with him. He didn't, he didn't take me. Like he shouldn't be in trouble and all of that stuff. Yeah. And and apparently she was like a bit like not cold to her parents, but kind of like, how's B? Like she kept asking like, how's B? Like, where is B? Why isn't he coming with us? Because she got out of like, you know, like her parents picked her up, but B was still in custody. And she was like, but what about B? What about B? And, And um, yeah. I think by this point she'd been pretty brainwashed into thinking that she was in love with him because he was like, you know, performing like doing sexual things with her and telling her that he loved her and so she, I think she was yeah, groomed into thinking that she loved him back. Right? Well, and for sure and I think this plays into Mormon brainwashing as well because as a 12 year old I can remember having, you know, chastity talks and like how important it is to save yourself until you're married and that's what true love is is when you have sexual acts within a marriage that's what love is and blah blah so I'm sure she got the same chats but more extreme back in the 70s and she's probably thinking like okay I've had sex with this man so like and we're technically married by the weird alien ceremony thing (laughs) so this must be love like this has to be love and I have to fulfill my my duty for this, like, for my family, but also I'm sure she's, like, mixing the religion in there, too. Yeah, yeah, like, definitely. This definitely. is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, to tell this next part of the story, we also need to go back a little bit in time. So, before the abduction, um, <laughs> this part of the story is crazy. <laughs> so, before the abduction, so, B um, comes over to the... the the house and he said he I guess he asked like the dad the dad's name is Bob and he he says can we like talk can we go on a drive because I'm just really mad at my wife and I need to let off some steam and mm-hmm. so Bob was like sure let's go on a drive and I <laughs> I guess they go on a drive and B is like I just I can't stand my wife she won't have sex with me she's mean to me and I'm just all pent up and I need some relief. And so, what does Bob do? He, as he puts it, he reaches over and relieves B in an act of masturbation. (laughs) Yeah. Which, there's so many jaw-dropping things about that. Like, (laughs) Like, honest to God, when that part came up, that was another one that I had to rewind and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I did not understand that correctly. There is no way that this man <laughs> is that charismatic and or this other, like Jan's dad, is that like, I don't even know how I, I, you yeah, describe the way it. That, the way that he describes it, like, like Jan's dad in the documentary talks about it and says what he does. And he talks about it like he's almost caught off guard. Like he's like oh, I guess I just need to help him. Whereas, like, any other man would be like, dude, did you just ask me for a hand job? No. Like, (laughs) you can go take care of yourself. Also, you've kind of made our friendship weird now. So, (laughs) let's not go there. In this part, I didn't know if whether or not, like, it was Jan's dad being 
so stupid and naive and caught up in this like ridiculous that religion that says that anything a priesthood holder asks to do like you just do it even if you're a fellow priesthood holder or if he was homosexual is homosexual and just like I don't no, know I'm I'm with tempted. you I'm I'm sh- I'm I'm pretty sure he's homosexual or you know bisexual or something like that because I think if you really were just like a heterosexual man and you just wouldn't do that. You'd just be like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not in, you know, but you'd, you'd have to have some kind of, I think, I don't know, attraction to that idea, right? Which is what we would assume as rational human beings, but how he talks in the documentary, it's like he never even addresses that part of his, his identity. I it's know. just like... You know, like you were saying, like, he he asked me to do it, so I just kind of did it. Like, it just happened. And it's like... It's like, no, I think maybe you probably <laughs> are not completely heterosexual, and that's totally fine. And that's but fine. But don't, that's... like, I don't know, don't act like it's some big surprise. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, you're on a documentary. People watching this are not stupid. And also, it's fucking 2019. I'd like to hope that people watching it would be like, what's the problem you're gay like that's not yeah and that's an issue like that's you do you you know we are are embracing that like obviously i'm not trying to discredit like the you know saying that nowadays it's easier because it's still not there's a lot of issues and people are still like homophobic and it's not okay but at the same time i feel like it's like this guy is a typical example of a mormon who can't He's so old school and not able to break the brainwashing that even on a documentary where you should be as truthful as you can be, hopefully, yeah, he's not able to embrace the fact that like he's a man who grew up in the Mormon church, but who is also gay, and that's fine. Like, it's not an issue. Another part of that that really struck me is that when he's telling this story, he kind of starts to cry and says that it's the worst thing he's ever done. And I'm over here thinking, like, oh, my God, you asshole. Like, you, before this, all of this, you, you, like, let a grown man sleep in your daughter's bed. Like, and you think that, you think that just giving a man a hand job is the worst thing you've ever done in your life? (laughs) Like, oh, my God. There's nothing wrong with that. If you are gay, that is a beautiful act in and of itself. Like, yeah, like what? Yeah. No, between two consenting adults who want to like, it's beautiful. Yeah. But the fact that you're saying right now that this guy and, and I remember this point in the documentary and I'm so glad you brought it up. But yeah, he's like in tears saying it was the worst thing he'd ever done. And I remember thinking like. You piece of shit. I'm sorry, but, like, (laughs) the worst thing you've ever done is not take care of your daughter and not fucking, like, make sure she was okay. Yeah. And tell the truth when you should have. Not calling the police when she's been gone for five days. You don't know where she is. That could be up there. (laughs) And, you know, which I'm sure Katie's about to get to this point, but, like, lying to the police and changing your story because you don't want your aka sexual sins i'm doing air quotes to get out in the community yep your mormon community yeah so let's move on to that so um the fbi uh pete what was was his name right pete welsh homeboy pete yeah so he so he (laughs) tells he tells the um the What's, what's their last name? I keep getting a mix up. The Brobergs. He tells yeah. the Brobergs, he says, okay, we have, um, Birch told B, we have him in custody. Do not talk to him. 
do not talk to his wife do not talk to his family like don't don't communicate with them whatsoever because you know we're going to do we're going to pursue this and charge him with something um but guess what guess what they don't they don't give a shit what pete says <laughs> because nope. because when gail comes over our my facepalm friend gail she go- <laughs> she goes over to their house and they talk to her and she says unless you drop the charges and sign this affidavit that says you gave consent for jan to leave if you don't do that, then we're going to tell everyone that you had homosexual, you know, activities with my husband. Yep. So she blackmails them, essentially. And, and instead of thinking of their daughter, yeah, they think about the shame and guilt in the Mormon church and don't say a fucking thing. They sign those affidavits that say we gave her consent to leave. We gave him consent to take her. And they don't press charges. Um, and in the documentary, the wife, Marianne, she says, oh, it was just such a hard time. I felt so bad for my husband. We didn't need this getting out. And so they don't protect their daughter. They don't press charges. And um, the FBI was pissed. Pete Welsh was pissed. He was like, mm-hmm. I spent all this time looking for your daughter when, and you said she was kidnapped and now you're changing your story and you're just protecting yep. your own asses instead of caring about your daughter. Yep. Yeah, and so the charges were dropped and he didn't. Um, I guess, like, the FBI still tried to um, charge him anyways, but it didn't really work, right? Like, I think in the end he only was in jail for, like, 10 days. <laughs> Yeah, but also I feel like it's important. And sorry, maybe I'm like jumping the gun. No, no, you're good. You're good. (laughs) But just so there's this other element they throw in. So they talk about the dad's relationship with B, but then they also talk about the mom's relationship with B. Yes. Which is happening simultaneously, apparently. Like, and when she's like telling the story, I was like, nah, this bitch is not about to say what I think she's going to say. No. And she was like, he just made me feel so good. And, you know, we started kissing and then he touched my breasts. And then, you know, other things happen after that. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, so B is fucking the mom, the, the father, yep. and the dad, and the son. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or sorry, so, not the son, the daughter. The daughter. But. Like, what it no it's like so crazy so like um yeah okay (laughs) so basically what happens is like he's not in jail and nothing no no charges were filed like nothing and i guess he like b he he moved he gets like this um he starts working for his brother in Ogden, Utah, but he still comes home on the weekends and he still lives right next door to the Brobergs. And he starts like breaking into their house and sneaking into Jan's room and like leaving the little intercom thingy in there to give her like the alien messages, right? And um, he'd sneak into her bedroom and sometimes wake her up and talk about like the mission and how they needed to do it. And he would try to sneak her notes um, at school and stuff to, like, communicate. And they would, like, write love notes to each other. And then that's when also um, 
he starts really heavily seducing the mother. So it's like he starts. Oh shit! Sorry. No, I, I think he was. I think he was like super flirting and probably seducing the mother beforehand as well. But like, so he did the hand job with the father first. Then he gets abducted and like rapes the or she gets abducted and and he rapes the daughter. And then he gets out of jail because he doesn't really have to spend any time in there. And then he starts seducing the mother, which like. I just couldn't get over this part. Like, you know that this man, first of all, you know that this man has done things sexually with your husband, and you also know that he stole your daughter and took her to Mexico and, like, tried to marry her, and now you're, like, being seduced by him? Like, I just don't understand. I don't understand it. Like, when I watched that part of the documentary, I was, like, furious at this woman. Like, I could not understand it like I would be disgusted by this oh my god I know I mean purely like I would want to rip his eyeballs out type like I would just be so enraged like you fucking adopted my daughter abducted my daughter like that's not the right verb you took my daughter is that the right I don't know English is hard whatever (laughs) um you like took my daughter your you know your wife is fucking blackmailing my husband because he performed sexual acts with your husband and now i'm gonna just be like okay i guess i'll just have sex with you too like Like, what the fuck he just keeps calling her and like um yeah like flirting with her and seducing her and then he starts telling her he loves her this is all while he's sending jan her, her daughter like love letters and yeah. he's um, just saying basically that he loves her. And so she goes and meets him at his motor home and they have sex. Ooh, and she uses the word necking, which made me yeah, cringe so I hard. I the documentary <laughs> and I giggled. Oh. And so. Like good old necking and petting. It's just so seductive that it doesn't matter who the man is. Not even if it's a guy who took your child and raped her. You just can't, you can't withhold necking and petting. You uh, can't. And then just fall on sexing. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess this went on for like eight months. It wasn't like just a one-time thing. Like she kept and just like having this affair with this disgusting man. Um, yeah. And so then I guess how it comes out is that B, he like calls Bob, uh, her, uh, Marianne's husband and, tells him that they've been having sex this whole time and so bob went and talked to the bishop and asked the bishop what he should do (laughs) and um i guess after a while he ended up like filing for divorce and stuff um but then it, it this part still doesn't even make sense to me but apparently after he files for divorce like then it hits her like oh no i'm gonna lose my family and so she, like, goes and, like, hugs him and cries and says, I'm sorry. And he's just like, okay, we'll stay together. Like, what the yeah, fuck? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't get that part at all either. I was just like, wait, what? Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't understand. Like, this... <sighs> yeah. So I they, don't understand the entire thing. It just made my <laughs> brain hurt when I finished watching. Yeah. Yeah, so... Okay, so moving on, I guess. (laughs) So B ends up moving to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and he buy like he buys a family fun center. Which let's talk about this, by the way. (laughs) He buys a family fun center because he's a pedophile, 
And exactly. Because no one has reported him or, like, done anything. Like, the FBI is trying to pursue this guy, but no one will, like, no one will say they're witnesses. Like, no one will prosecute. And he's just getting away with all of this. Um, Being a fucking nasty pedophile, which I just think it's, sorry, this is, like, my own personal side note. I find the way British people say pedophile even creepier <laughs> and how I feel like we should because it's pedophile. No, pedophile. Damn it. Pedophile. Pedophile? Pedophile. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, it I gives find you the... it so much more creepy and I'm like, oh my God, we should say it that way too. It gives you the heebie-jeebies. Like, <laughs> right? Pedophile. It's so gross. Okay, yeah. sorry. Continue. <laughs> so, um, and this whole time Jan is like home and, you know, she's just going to school and whatever being what everyone thinks is normal, but she says that she's living in constant fear of these aliens and that, you know, she's getting closer to the age of 16 and she hasn't gotten pregnant from B, and so, like, thing, bad things are going to happen. Um, and so she keeps telling her parents that she wants to go visit him, <clears throat> and um, they let her. They let her go up there. Ugh. <laughs> All because it's like, and she's like a kid. I just don't understand that they're, they're like, yeah, but she was just being so defiant and blah, blah, blah. And it's I'm like, like she's I'm like sorry. 13 or 14 years old. It's called being a teenager. Exactly. And fucking <laughs> deal with it. Like ground her ass, but don't let her go like fucking hang out with a guy who kidnapped her. And, and that like, you've both had sex is, with. Like, what? Yes. <laughs> And who she thinks she's in love with and still wants to be married to. Like, yeah. You know, this. Yeah. I think this might be a good point to bring this up. Um, like how, you know how the Mormon church constantly will tell you, like, to be, first of all, it's like the overly, like, like gratitude thing. And then also overly with the forgiveness thing. You know, you, you have yeah. to always forgive. You always need to forgive and forgive and forgive. Which, don't get me wrong, like, forgiveness is good and it's healthy. But in, in situations like this where someone's just clearly taking advantage and is clearly being awful and, you know, manipulating the situation, that's when, like, this this uh, forgiveness becomes toxic, I think. And, you know, you, sure. you just let people get away with basically treating you terribly and getting away with doing horrible things. And because it's like they must have just been like, oh, we forgive we forgive B. You you can go up and visit him in a whole other state. Like what the fuck? Uh, I don't get it. <laughs> that's kind of like um. Sorry, um, this is how my brain works. But I watched recently the the Dirty John series. Oh yeah, I haven't watched it, but I definitely binged the podcast. Yeah, it's really. Good. I I started the podcast and I never finished it, which is a pity. I should have, but. Um, and then I watched this new one with like Eric Bana and I can't remember her name. Um, anyways, I watched that and then I watched the other documentary on Netflix, which is just like the actual side. So the actual people that this happened to their side of the story. And in the, the document, the series with like the fictional one, the Eric Bana, the mother of Deborah, who is the victim. Uh Uh-huh. She talks about that a lot. Like, she's just all about forgiveness. Like, yes. she, like, forgives, like, I don't want to give it away for listeners who haven't listened it's, or it's watched. It's really good. It's John. really good. Yeah. But there's a part in there where basically the mother has, like, she chooses to forgive a sin that, or I'm doing air quotes, a sin, but, like, an act that I find unforgivable. Like, yeah. I just, 
Yeah. And I think it's naive because it, and it kind of showcases that in this in the story because it shows that she forgives this person and then because of her like, you know, Christian beliefs of like you have to forgive no matter what, she overlooks a similar thing that would happen to her other daughter. Right. And so I think it's just, it's similar with this whole, mm-hmm. you know, abducted in plain sight. Like, Jan's parents are like, oh, but we have to forgive. That's what we're taught. Even though Ugh. it's like, no, don't be dumb. <laughs> yeah. No, seriously. You, can, you know, be a good person without also forgiving people who may have, like, you know, I don't know, raped or could have potentially murdered your daughter. Like, yeah. no. Yeah. Like, you don't just look away from that shit, you right. know? And they look at it as, like, so virtuous to forgive. And I can see, yeah, like, forgiving small little things and moving on. But when it's something so huge and it keeps happening, it's it, it's not a virtue anymore. That's a, that's a character flaw. Like, you shouldn't be so forgiving. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, um, okay, so she goes up to Jackson Hole. And I guess she's there for, like, two weeks or something. And the parents are finally like, okay, you need to come back. And um, they get the brother, Joe, they get B's brother to, like, get her on a plane to come back. Because they she wasn't going to come back home. And um, it was this whole thing where she didn't want to come home. And then B was, like, threatening the parents, being like, I need to speak with her. She needs to come back here. She wants to be here. And, um... So then, right after that, is when the second kidnapping happens. But it's framed as, like, she ran away. So exactly. they, they find this note in her room that says, like, you don't accept me as I am, and I want to be with B, and I'm leaving. Um, but it was all worded very weird, and the sister was like, I, it didn't seem like it was written by her. It seemed like it was written by B. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, <laughs> and, oh, the one part that made me, like, yell at the TV was when the mom, the, the mother was like, yeah, we just didn't know where she had gone. We had no idea where she could have left oh. to. And so we didn't want to cause a scene. So we told everyone that she was staying with her grandmother. Oh, my God. I was freaking out, Sarah. I was like, I don't know how you can possibly become worse parents. Like, <laughs> like you know she's not with her grandmother, and there could, she could be anywhere, and anything could be happening to her. Like, just own up to the fact that, like, your daughter ran away, and you've been having issues, and try to get help and find her. Like, oh, my God. It's, like, next level, but it's that whole dynamic especially i find even more so out west like out west like west mormons or like that too were like this reputation oh like, yeah you just have to be perfect and like i mean you can't possibly admit the fact that you fucked up now twice with your kid and they've been right kidnapped again like so you yeah. just rather lie instead of being like everyone emergency like my daughter is missing. missing again yeah. please help and even if you really thought that she just ran away like, you still need to get help. You still need to report it. Like, she's exactly. only 13 years old. You need to tell people. Like, and if you're, if you have any ounce of smarts, like, you know that she's not just ran away. <laughs> like, so, um, they wait two weeks before they even tell the police. Two weeks. Uh. She could have been dead for two weeks before they even tell anyone. But, okay. So they tell the F- the FBI, and um, 
At this point, B starts calling the Brobergs again regularly and asking, like, where's Jan? Have you seen Jan? And, oh of course, they're I like, no, she's gone. I thought, she, I thought she was with you. You haven't seen her? And he was like, well, no, I'm worried about her. So then he starts calling the house regularly and saying, oh, Jan called me. And this is what she's doing. She's into prostitution and drugs now. Um, but she won't tell me where she is, but I'm trying to find her because I still want to marry her. And there's a part where, um, so the FBI has like tapped their phone, the Broberg's phone at this point. And there's a recording in the documentary where um, the mother's like talking to B and she's, it's so weird because she's so nice to him still, even after all of this shit. And he's like, oh, I just, you know, she told me she was prostituting and doing drugs and all the mother says is oh my goodness well now i won't be able to sleep like <laughs> you were able to sleep before you batshit crazy woman <laughs> i know i remember that part and just being like wanting to scream and throw my tv out the window where she's just like and she's so like you said she's so nice to be when she's talking to him like i would be like you fucking piece of shit. Where is my daughter? <laughs> like, yeah, right? I know. Oh, so um, it's like nine months or something. Like a long time has gone by. And um, but the FBI has been like surveilling B and, and tapping the phones and stuff. And they, they're like surveilling his motorhome and they found in his motorhome, they found like this shrine to her with just like all these posters of her all over his motorhome. Yeah. And um, they start following him and they, they see that he's making this call in a phone booth. And once he's done making the call, they go in the phone booth and they see this number that's written down in the corner of the phone book. And they find out that it's a Catholic girls school in California and that's where Jan is. So, yeah, he had, like, taken her there and pretended to be her father and yep. changed her last name to Tobler. So her name was Jan Tobler and said that he was in the CIA and they had escaped from Lebanon and that, like, they needed to not let anyone speak to her because if anyone was trying to speak to her, it was, like, bad people. And so these nuns, like you know, we're supposed to take care of her or whatever. Um, but yeah, they eventually found her there and were able to bring her home to <laughs> back to Idaho. But like, Ugh. I just can't like, oh my God. <laughs> I just, the whole thing, I can't. Yeah. And so I guess like, I'm still a little bit confused about how it happened, but like, I, he was eventually arrested for that. Um, but I, it, they did say that he only served six months in, like, it was in, like, a mental facility, I think, because, like, he was acquitted by, what did they call it, like, a mental defect or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Which is so bizarre. Like, how does he keep getting away with it all? Ugh. <laughs> I just, ugh. Yeah. Yeah. And, um. I have no words. Like. I know. I, yeah. I, I don't even know what I'm to like, say or I'm comment like, on this. Like, my mind is just like, I, I don't even know. Like, imagine how dumb. Wouldn't you feel so dumb if you were her parents? Like, oh, he was calling me and pretending he didn't know where she was. And then I was just talking to him calmly on the phone. When the whole time he knew where she was. And 
Uh, well, actually, when I watched the documentary, I kind of was like, I hate these people so much. How could you, like, even do a documentary because you have to realize how stupid you look, blah, blah, blah. But then the other side of me was like, but I'm glad that you did because it's entertaining and, like, yeah. it's an interesting story. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I would never want to do a documentary because I'd be like, man, I look like a total asshole, like... I completely fucked up, and now I'm doing this documentary where I'm not even helping myself because I still sound so stupid. Yeah, and like right? I know, have no idea of what I actually did or like the consequences oh. of my actions. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, I just. I wonder if, like, they were still... Oh, no, because I think he had moved at that time. But I was like, can you imagine still living? I said, what is Gail thinking this whole time? Exactly. <laughs> I think they're still married. Or they, you know, at that time they were. Um. Anyway, so I guess just to kind of sum up, like, how it sort of ends is, like... <clears throat> I guess as time goes on, like, Jan doesn't have as much contact with B because he was losing interest in her because she was getting older because... He's a pedophile. And so she wasn't talking to him as much. And she, I think, I don't know if she's like almost 16 or whatever. And she goes to like a a camp, like some kind of summer camp thing at BYU. And um, she met a boy that was like nice to her and was flirting with her. But as soon as like she started feeling excited and interested in him, she started freaking out because it was those same feelings that she had experienced with B. And so, like, I can just imagine the trauma that this poor yeah. woman has had to endure. And um, she and she talked about how she was so, so scared for her 16th birthday. Like, that she was so scared that she almost committed suicide because, you know, she wasn't pregnant. She hadn't fulfilled the mission, and she still thought that it was real. Yep. But, you know, her 16th birthday came and went. Luckily, she didn't commit suicide. And then that's when she realized he'd just been fucking lying to her about the whole thing and that it wasn't real and that she had no reason to be so scared. And then then she eventually starts telling people what happened, like starts telling her friends and her family and stuff, which like Uh, just crazy. Like finally, like good for her. But oh, my God. Which, and also, oh, sorry, I just dropped my mic. Um, <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> we're professional. Yeah. Our podcast is the most professional. Um, yeah, like, and then it tells, like, uh, that eventually she, like, writes a book, right? Yeah. And so then... I actually think it's her mom that writes the book, which, like, <sighs> kind of pisses me off because, you know, the mom gets a lot of the credit, but whatever she definitely she defends her parents jan does she doesn't like blame them but it's hard for us watching not to but yeah the the mom wrote a book and then i guess that's how like their story really got out but didn't like he take her to court or something about it because i remember some part in the documentary where like she's in court with him with b yeah i think yeah i'm trying to remember what exactly that was about i don't know if he was like saying that she was lying about him, like some kind of slander or something. Um, yeah, but, I think so. But and she, she ended like, up winning in court. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and since like that, this whole thing has come out and the book and everything. Um, she said that six women have like contacted her and talked with her about 
this exact same thing happened to them and they actually got like raped and molested by him when they were younger. So it was, yeah, probably even more than that that haven't come forward. But I thought it was interesting that, um, so they, uh, Jan and her mother, they started doing like events sort of where they would speak about, um, you know, problems with like, I guess, pedophilia and stuff that happens to children and talking more openly about sexual assault and things like that. And so they would host these events and I guess B started showing up to them every now and then. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I guess he like, um, I don't know, he just started showing up to more and more and I can't remember exactly what happened, but like something happened at one of them where he, didn't he run over someone that was at the event? Oh, yeah, it was the... <laughs> the motorcycle dudes, like, you know, the ones that protect oh, against yeah, yeah, yeah. children. Yeah, like a children abuse protector, awesome biker men. <laughs> um, something... I bet listeners are, like, screaming at their Yeah, they're like, it's called right this, this goddammit. Like, oh, it's called this I'm this. so sorry, listeners. Like, oh. I feel like I've been talking your ear off forever. I'm trying to get to the end of the story. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but, yeah, uh I think something happened and he hurt one of them, maybe unintentionally, but something with, he hit uh, one of them with his car. And then after that, he didn't want to face whatever he would have to face by potentially being arrested for that and being arrested for lots of other things from all these other women coming forward and saying what he did to them. Um, He took all of his medicine and like basically overdosed himself and committed suicide yep so because i felt like it was such an unsatisfying i know it's like he it did... all like i was like oh i want him to rot in jail and blah blah i know and, and he, he just took yeah because he probably knew at that point like oh i've gotten away with so much um yeah i just it infuriated me the whole time i was re-watching it i just was like pausing and yelling <laughs> Seriously, though, and, like, I only watched it once, but I read a bit more, and then that article that Katie sent, I was like, I, I just can't, <laughs> like, I am so over it and just want people to realize how much of an idiot you have to be to allow that to happen and to allow, like, for me, it's just, like, the biggest thing is that this Jan girl could have been saved multiple times if the parents didn't let this stupid idea of guilt and shame and reputation affect and cloud their judgment. Yeah, she could have been saved. And the church could have stepped in at many points because they knew. They knew. They could have nipped it. Like, I was actually talking to my boyfriend about this, and I was like, do you think if the this family wasn't religious – that this would have happened and he was like you know what probably not like because they you know they already have that idea that they need to trust everyone who's in their religion and then the forgiveness thing and they're also pretty just naive and they'll believe pretty much anything because they believe mormonism right so they'll believe a lot of stuff and they're easily manipulated Uh whereas if they had more critical thinking skills and weren't just relying on feelings and faith and blah, 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 they probably could have protected their child so much better and also just wouldn't have probably been in a situation for that to happen. Yeah, and I just, like, 
I mean, I know I keep talking about this article, but it's so brilliantly written and so great. And I just have to, I posted this yesterday, this little um, quote that I pulled from the article. But in case you guys didn't read it, it's exactly what you're saying, Katie. Like, it says, young girls growing up in the church and their families are also likely much easier to groom. Their families are conveniently trusting, and the girls themselves have their religious teachings used against them, especially since they are taught from a young age that, one, men are the leaders of the church and have authority, and two, that a woman's role is to listen to men and to marry and procreate before all else. Yep. 100%. And I, like, when I read that last night, I was just like, God damn, like, that is what you call... And hitting the nail on the head. Like, that is exactly what we were, we've been yeah. talking about this whole time. Like All of those things combined are a perfect recipe for, like, yeah, basically taking advantage of someone and ruining someone's life. Like, it's, yes. Ugh. And, and also there, I'm, like, a, this, the, oh, God, I can't talk. Um, the, the last paragraph or so of this article is also really, really, cause it's like, these issues aren't, these aren't issues unique to the Mormon church. Of course, sex abuse and particularly child sex abuse is rampant in numerous religious communities, most famously the Catholic church, but certainly not just the Catholic church. And this is like, boom. And the reasons are the same. Blind faith in the church's leaders, a culture that puts men in power over women a culture that makes sex education taboo and religious organizations that put their reputation and brand over the safety of their followers. Really, when you think about it, abducted in plain sight isn't amazingly unbelievable at all. It's a common story of sexual abuse in a religious setting, and it makes all too much sense. I just got shivers. It's so true. Yeah. Like... I want to reach out and kiss this woman on the mouth, whoever wrote this. I think it's a woman. I think her name is Sarah, conveniently. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, when I read this article, I was just like, mind blown. Like, she says everything that we've been thinking or trying to say in one article. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'll do when I publish this? I will try to do the thing that, like, professionals do. <laughs> when What's I'm that, all, Are we professional? I'll, I'll link it below. Pretend like you can see me. I'm doing, like, the YouTuber thing. Like, I'll link it below. Um, I'll try to find the article. And if I can link it, uh, which this will most likely be linked on, like, SoundCloud. But hopefully it'll come through in all the other apps. And then you guys can go click on the link and read the article. Oh, please do. Hopefully it works. If if it doesn't, we'll just do it on a story, and you guys are just going to have to memorize that shit and tap it into your Google search bar. Do it the old school way. We're in our 30s. Wait, are you 30 yet? Yeah, I'm 30. Okay, I thought so. I was like, I I think she's 30. Maybe she's still a youngin'. We're in our 30s. We still do things like dinosaurs. It's fine. I'm still like, what is happening? Sometimes when my boyfriend uses my laptop, he always, like, enhances it and does all these tricks, and I get so mad because I'm like, what would you do to my laptop? It's not how I have it. It's like, too try fancy. To it <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I can't work this way. What is this? <laughs> so true. I'm a basic bitch. So. Uh. Oh, man. Well, we've gone quite a bit over the normal time, but thank you listeners for, like, bearing with us because we really wanted to talk about this. And it's not easy to just talk about it really quickly because there was so much 
so much shit to talk about. <laughs> exactly. And it was worth talking about. I feel like even if we went over, it's fine. Because this shit is just... Yeah. It's interesting. It's sad. It's, it gives you all the feels in every way. Yeah. <laughs> so... Guys, write us or, like, comment on Instagram or whatever and tell us if you think we, like, missed some important part or if we want to just, like, keep the discussion going in the comments or whatever. Yeah, because there's so much to be said. <laughs> Please do. And if you know of any other stories like this, like send them in because yeah. I think this is a really effective way of like bringing attention mm-hmm. to how corrupt and, and like how horrible a religion like this can be. And again, I'm sorry for people who are Mormon who are listening. I don't mean to offend, but there's stuff like this that I'm like, you know what? I'm sorry. This is an example of a cult and brainwashing and where the church could have saved an innocent little girl's, you know, not her life, maybe, but her entire, like, out view and outlook of the world. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. Um, definitely, it was a lot of trauma that they could have saved her if exactly. they just would have opened their goddamn mouth and not cared about their reputation. Yeah. You know what? Maybe soon we could also do, because you, you touched on Elizabeth Smart just a little, but I yeah. feel like since we ran out of time, maybe we can also discuss that whole that whole story in another episode. Let us know, listeners, if you want to hear about it. Yeah, and there was another um, victim that they talked about in the article. I don't remember another Mormon girl victim as well. Oh, that, that one's another. That's a really good one. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, we yeah. can discuss that one too. Yeah. So let us know if this piques your interest, or if you guys are like next bitch, like obviously, <laughs> but you know, could be of interest. Either way, we're done chatting because it's been a hot second slash minute slash hour. So. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us and have a good week, everybody. Yeah, and as usual, give us some loving on any form of social media slash subscribe and rate and do all the amazing things. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. Uh, Bye. (laughs) Bye.